0: Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. Let's start some baseball. Shohei (laughs) Otani. Shohei. Shohei might be too good. He might be too good. Or at least too good for his own good. Or too good for his own popularity. Because as popular as this guy is, he's not nearly popular enough. He doesn't get nearly enough credit. He just doesn't get as much credit as he deserves, despite all the credit he does get. Probably because he is so great. I mean, because he's so great, it's actually hard to talk about his greatness. He's so consistently incredible that it gets old and repetitive calling him incredible. Are you following me here? Can you keep up with me, camera guy? The reality is the greatest baseball player of all time is in his prime right now. And he's playing right up the road at the Big A. And he might have just had his best game ever last night. And that's not some look-at-me, lava-take for social media. In fact, it's actually the opposite. It's the opposite of lava. It's the opposite of look-at-me. It's the truth. It couldn't be more obvious. I don't want to put words in Babe Ruth's mouth... But even Babe Ruth would admit it. Even Babe Ruth would look at what Shohei is doing and what he did last night and say, man, I couldn't have done that. No way in hell I could do that. Or at least I never did do that. Babe Ruth never struck out 10 and hit two bombs in the same game. Like, I don't even have any idea how five other guys have actually pulled that off. But only five other dudes in the history of the sport have ever done what Shohei did last night. And as always, the incredible thing is, this was not some crazy, one off, inexplicable outlier performance. The guy's hitting 407 as a starting pitcher this year. He's raking in every single start. Like, don't get me wrong, I am really, really impressed with Luis Arise. He's legitimately chasing 400, and we're deep into June. I mean, he's got to look at it. The fact that we're even talking about it is something. But I got to be honest, even if that guy has a look at it and he's legitimately chasing it, arguably the most dominant pitcher in baseball, hitting 407 on the days that he starts is even more impressive. In fact, it's a lot more impressive. Think of any pitcher who picks up a bat. The last thing they want to do is stand in. They can't wait to get back to the dugout. And Believe me, they don't want to get on base. They might tell you they want to swing the bat. But in reality, they want to get the hell out of there. That's what's so incredible about Shohei. He's hitting 407 on days that he starts. You know, the other thing about him is it's tempting to just blast a bunch of stats at you. But I don't want to do that because at some point, they all lose meaning. But if I don't, a bunch of you will say, he's overrated. It's all hype. If he does it with the Angels, or a tree falls in the forest, doesn't even make a sound. You sound like a homer, Rome. You know, a bunch you of bull like crap like that. A bunch of nonsense like that. A bunch of you will say that because a bunch of you are not watching this dude play. A bunch of you are trolls. A bunch of you are haters. And I've got to make sure that you trolls realize that Shohei now leads the major leagues. Not the American League, but the major leagues in... Home runs, RBI, OPS, slugging percentage, extra base hits, total bases, oh, and also opponent batting average. So he's the best hitter in baseball and also the hardest pitcher to get a hit off of in baseball. And he might have just had his best game ever to cap his best month ever. This dude just put up a 13 bomb. 37 strikeout month. He didn't strike out 37 times. He struck out 37 dudes. Pretty good ratio. 13 to 37. 13 bombs, 37 Ks. And the month isn't even over yet. That's never been done. The only other player to ever have one 13 bomb month and another 37 strikeout month at any point in their career is Babe Ruth. But Babe never had a month like June. Not that June Shohei is having. And I think we can all admit, the competition back then, not quite as stiff as what it is right now. The game back then, not quite like what it is right now. What I'm saying is, nobody in the history of the world has ever had a month like the month of June that Shohei is having. Nobody. Nobody. <laughs> nobody has ever had a career like the career Shohei is in the middle of. Which is why as big of a deal as he is, he's not nearly big enough. And as much as I talk about him, I don't talk about him nearly enough. Shohei deserves his own Shohei show. Hell, Shohei week. Shohei should get his own season in the jungle once Smack Off season wraps up. Dude should get the profile treatment every single day because he deserves it. I didn't even mention that he hit his second bomb last night after he got yanked off the mound with a cracked fingernail. Now, I also know you clones, and you're going to come up in here with, Psst, please, Psst, please. He had a cracked fingernail. Is he going to get a Mickey Mouse Band-Aid for his boo-boo too? Yeah, tough guys. The guy's a pitcher. Their fingernails matter. Yeah, tough guys. That's also what he said, however, because he came out of the game as a pitcher, but he stayed in the game, got to the plate again, and blasted one out oppo. Oppo power alley. So, he pulled a bomb. He went oppo with a bomb. He had a third knock. He struck out 10. He got the win. And then he made the most polite, most reasonable request ever after the game. You have all of the fans here in attendance chanting MVP for you. What does it mean to hear them in
1: June chanting MVP? The fans, um, they always help me out on the mound and in the, the box. So I mean, the louder, the
0: better. So let's try to get louder next time. You heard him, Thanks, Shohei too? <laughs> in other words, Shohei was like, "Big A, are you not entertained?" Yeah, tell him, Shohei. Tell them they all need to be louder because they do. Everybody needs to get louder about this dude. And by the way, anybody who wants to take a run at him, or tell him that he should answer in English, or take a run at him for his translator, number one, shut the hell up. Shut the hell up. Number two, all right, fine, I'll go with that, I'll go along with that, I'll make you a deal. You can talk crap about Shohei using an interpreter when and only when you go to Japan and establish yourself as the best athlete in any sport, or the best at anything, and then you learn Japanese, and you do a live TV interview in front of an entire stadium in Japanese. Once one of you does that, then you can circle back and run some Shohei Smack about having to use an interpreter. Until then, shut your mouth. Shut up. And if you're lucky enough... To be at an Angels game right now, just watch the game. Just watch the GOAT. Is it really asking too much? Don't be like this drunk clown who went viral on Twitter trying to start the wave just before Shohei hit his second bomb. We're Yo, bro. (laughs) That was not the sound of people excited about the wave. That was the sound of people trying to see a historic home run while some fat, drunk moron was standing in front of them, blocking the view, trying to start the wave. Dudes, the wave is so lame. The wave is so lame. It could not be more faded. It could not be more tired. It could not be any lamer. So lame. It was never, ever cool, but it couldn't be any more lame right now than it is. There could not be a dumber, more childish adult activity than doing the wave at a baseball game. That monkey on the scoreboard can't believe how lame that is. To steal from Himmy Buckets. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that ever. But especially don't do that when Shohei is at the plate. Man, don't be that guy. Discover credit cards do something pretty awesome. At the end of your first year, they automatically double all the cash back you've earned. That's right. Everything you have earned doubled. All the cash back from eating at your favorite restaurant doubled. All the cash back from that trip where you sort of learned to snowboard also doubled. And the best part, you don't have to do anything ridiculous to get it. Discover does it automatically. Seriously, though. See terms and check it out for yourself at discover.com match. This guy with his back-to-home plate, why would you turn around and miss Shohei with a bat in his hand? Mike Moustakis was saying, because he's the newest teammate and hasn't really experienced it, he's like, I'm telling you, man, that this guy, and we're talking about a vet, an extremely well-respected vet, saying, every time this dude picks up a bat, every time this guy takes the bump, anytime this guy's anywhere near the field, we're all watching because something might happen. That's a fellow major leaguer talking about the Shohei experience because he's new to it. So if you're a fan, the last thing you want to do is turn your back. On Shohei when he's got a bat in his hand, especially when he's in the midst of a historic night. Don't do that. Don't do that. Come on now. Especially when your reason is to start the wave. I mean, if a brawl breaks out behind you and something's going on, I could see where you might turn around to see what's up. But don't turn your back on this guy to start the wave. Don't be that guy. The guy with his back-to-home plate screaming about the wave while the GOAT is making history. What a disgrace. It's all so simple. And yet we continue to make it so hard. Just watch the dude. Enjoy the show while you can. And give him his bleeping credit. For real. For real. You don't have to come with some contrarian take. It doesn't make you look smart. It actually makes you look the opposite of smart. If you still do not get it about this guy, you're never going to get it. You don't want to get it, or you're incapable of getting it. Just understand, that is a you problem, because this guy is most definitely the GOAT. And don't look now, but the GOAT is single-handedly carrying the Angels into wildcard contention. In fact, if the playoffs were to start today, the Angels would be in. You know, I hate to be that if-the-season-ended-today guy, but if the season ended today, they have a better record than the Astros. They have the same number of wins as the Dodgers. And you know why that is? Pretty much one reason. It's because the Angels are lucky enough to have the greatest baseball player of all time. At least for now. Baaaa! Do not come in here with his, oh, did he get a Mickey? Sound like a Homer. U.S. Cellular is introducing us mode. You know, it's kind of like airplane mode. But for people, it's a way to set up your phone so it does not get in the way of people really being with each other. Block distractions. Make way for real connections. Give it a try. Visit U.S. Cellular in-store or online, and they'll help set up your phone to us mode. Free. Even if you're not a customer. Built for Superior, 5G Connection, Bradley and Keegan. Real Human Connection, you back. How are you? U.S. Cellular. are hey, thanks, for Jim. Us. To be on. Find out more Great at uscellular.com yeah, yeah, so um, slash find us. is enormous, but since you grew up in Vermont and you're a native New Englander, what did winning a TPC River Highland Sunday represent to you? It was just,
1: you know, like, I grew up going to this tournament as a kid. This is what my vision of the PGA Tour was, and... I, like, I just dreamt of playing in the tournament as a kid. And then, like, I'm out there, you know, walking up 18 with a three-shot lead. It's literally dreams coming true. It's, it's, it's really surreal when you get to achieve something that you've wanted to do your whole life.
0: Keegan, I think that people who know you and know your background know the journey you've taken, but not everybody listening does. As an example, I mean, it was such an emotional win for you. What kind of things were running through your mind in that moment as you won?
1: It was, it was really like years and years of hard work and and the realization that this is going to happen. Like I, throughout the day, I was fighting back that that feeling of what that walk up eighteen would be and have my family run down. And the whole day was a battle to keep that inside me. And when I was on eighteen with three shot lead, I just was thinking, just put this on grass so you can walk up this eighteen hole and and take this all in because all of my other wins, I've, I've been, you know, playoff or on the last hole. So I, I really wanted to enjoy this. And I'm just so thankful I got to do that.
0: Keegan Bradley, our guest, you know what, here's something I respect so much about you, how real and how raw you are about this. As an example, you said something to a reporter that I think that virtually everybody Keegan listening right now can relate to. You said, quote, I am an anxious person every day of my life and every second. So playing golf is hard for me. It doesn't come easy to me. End of quote. Can you elaborate for a moment? Like, for instance, do you have some anxiety? And if so, how do you manage it on a daily basis, much less excel in your chosen profession?
1: Yeah, I mean, like I hear other tour pros talking about, like, how, you know, easy a round is or, like, every shot I hit is difficult. Like, I don't care if it's a wedge from 100 yards or a four iron over water. Like, I'm anxious on every shot. And... I you know I struggle with you know being too hyped up for stuff or you know me wanting it too much, and you know what I fought in this tournament in particular in hartford is that oh, let's let's come on let's let's push for the for my family, for the fans and you know it was a really tough day, and the morning before that round, I was a mess like i i was, I texted my wife like i'm really feeling it. And that's what made that day so special. Like, that's, that shows that you can, you can perform under those conditions.
0: I think that's awesome. King Bradley, I think that's awesome to get through that. You mentioned the family a couple of times. Like, how important was it to have your wife, Jillian, and your sons, Logan and Cooper, there, not just to experience the win, that's awesome, but with you throughout the week to help you kind of ease your mind?
1: It's amazing because, like, on, a, on the day of the final round, I get up. I'm playing 2 p.m., so, you know, waiting all morning. And normally I'd be in a hotel room, you know, pacing around waiting to go. But you know, that morning my son Logan, who's five, he doesn't really know what's going on. So we're up, we're playing basketball outside, we're throwing the football, you know. So I'm able to sort of live a normal life, so to say, up to the tea time, and it helps keep it helps keep my mind off of stuff. Like I still got to be a dad, even though I'm, I feel like I'm going to throw up at, a, at any moment that morning. And it's such a, it's just it really helps.
0: That's awesome. Keegan Bradley joining us. Let me ask you this. You were putting lights out, which had to feel great. If you had to attribute it to one thing, why do you think you feel so good with the putter in your hands right now?
1: Well, I started working with a new coach. His name's Phil Kenya, and he's really pinpointed he some, some errors that I was making, and a lot of it was in green reading and alignment, and he sorted those things out, and it, like, overnight it clicked in this, this past couple years, and you know, I went years with putting bad and, and any golfer knows wh- whatever level you're at. It's ho- horrible to putt that. And when you're putting well, everything's better. You're happier. You know, the wife's happier. Everything's just better. And uh, I, I feel so confident with the putter now and it's just, you know, that's how you, that's how you make a living out here.
0: Dude, if the wife's happier, that's good. Happy wife, happy life. That's a great thing. King and Bradley joining us for a few more moments. It's pretty obvious <laughs> what that win meant to you. It's pretty obvious what that trophy meant to you. So much so, correct me if I'm wrong, but did the trophy not land in Detroit with you? And was that some sort of an issue?
1: <laughs> here with me now. Yeah. I... I it, ninety nine percent of the time when you win one of these tournaments you leave without the trophy because it's they it's their trophy and they send you a replica but it takes months to get it. And so I decided I'm taking this thing. Hell
0: yes. Like I, I don't
1: I don't care and, and so I was supposed to bring it back the next day and I quote unquote forgot. So I took it <laughs> I took it with me. I it's here with me. We're gonna get it back to them. They don't have to worry, but I'm gonna enjoy this man. Like you don't need these, these wins out here in What's weird about the tour is any other sport, if you win, you have a whole off season to enjoy it. Like I'm I'm gonna be playing here tomorrow, I could bogey the first hole and I'm pissed again. You know, I'm right back to in the grind. So I'm going to enjoy this. I'm taking the trophy everywhere I go, and it's just been
0: special. Oh, hell yes, dude. Hell yes. I understand on a on a much smaller level. Like, for instance, we're not nearly as involved in horse racing as we used to be, but if you'd win a big race, you'd get a big trophy, man. And even though the horse did the work and the trainer and the jockey, man, you earn that trophy. You want that trophy. But if you have to wait for the replica, man, it's not the same thing. So I'm really glad that you, quote, forgot to bring the trophy back. I totally understand that. (laughs) Listen, before you go, let me ask you, the win this weekend moved you to number seven in the U.S. Ryder Cup standings. That's one spot outside the six automatic qualifying spots. What would it mean to you to play in the Ryder Cup for a third time at this stage of your career?
1: It would mean a lot because there was a point in my career where I thought I was going to play in every Ryder Cup, five, five, six Ryder Cups in my career. And then there was a point where I thought, for sure, I'm never going to get to do this again. Uh, no matter how much I want it, I'm, I'm not playing at a level to be on these teams. And it, it was a real reality for me that this would never happen again. So now I'm in this position where whether I make it or not, it's going to be close. If I don't get picked for this team or I don't make the team, I'm going to be in the conversation. And that's just exciting. I want to be – I want to play with these players. These are all – everybody that – all the teams that I've been on, none of these guys have been on the team. So it's a whole new team, and I just would love to be out there with them.
0: So you're in a great, great headspace. Last thought, I can't let you go, unfortunately, without the obligatory question about the pending merger between the PGA and Live Golf. Ultimately, do you think it's a positive outcome for the sport?
1: I mean, listen, I think that the lawsuits and all that were not good for the sport. And I, 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 as a PGA Tour player, I got faith in Jay Monahan. He's going to do what's best for the PGA Tour. And to be honest with you, we don't know anything. Even, even the guys doing it, I think they're still in the early stages. And I just, I just hope, I, I just want the PGA Tour to be at its best. And this seems to be the best way to do it.
0: Keegan Bradley joining us. He's in the Midwest for the Rocket Mortgage Classic in Detroit. First round play getting underway tomorrow. Keegan, great win over the weekend. I thought it was really moving, really inspiring. And it's great to have you back on the show, man. Thanks for chopping it up with us. Thanks so much, Jim. Craving some protein after a good workout? Do not make a shake or eat a bar. Grab a bag of beef jerky from Old Trapper instead. Why Old Trapper? Because Old Trapper beef jerky is tasty and tender and made with real strips of steak and quality spices that are smoked over a wood fire. Old Trapper is a family-owned business. They take their smoked beef extremely seriously, and you can taste it in every single bite. Like, who wants dried, tough beef in a bag? Nobody. It's like eating a shoe. Old Trapper, though, is the real deal, and it comes in four amazing flavors. Old-fashioned, teriyaki, peppered, and hot and spicy. So the next time you want a great protein and energy snack that you can have anytime, anywhere, grab some Old Trapper beef jerky. Look for Old Trapper in the Clearview bag. That way you can see the quality that you're buying. Look for it in major retail stores near you. If you do not see it clones, be sure to ask for it by name because no other jerky compares. Old Trapper, what's your beef? We go to Portland. James, my man. What's Jimmy, up? My man, congrats on your
2: first couple of weeks of Cameo. And Albie, congrats on your last 20 years at Chatterbait. Is it true, Jim, that if Paul's dog calls in right before Mark in Hollywood on the 30th, it'll be the first time in Smack Off history that back-to-back female dogs call in? And Caleb... I was stoked that your mommy gave you permission last week to RSVP. Dude, that was a hell of a call. You sound so much like Jeff and Richmond, and you look so much like Jeff and Richmond. Oh, I know we're not supposed to call the champ fat, but after last year's smack-off, Jim, you asked Caleb, how are you going to celebrate? His response, I probably will eat a bratwurst. (laughs) Probably? So to end my call, Jimmy, I got two RSVPs. First, I would like to take a second and just tip my cap to the ambassador of Dong Day, Alvin Deloro. And I will be calling in on the 29th because every day is Dong Day for me in the jungle, Jimmy. And as far as the 30th, my man, my fate is in your hands. However, I like my odds since I had a player profile after my rookie season And I currently have more
0: golden tickets than Albie has baby batter. Come on! James in Portland. Eric in Castle Rock. Eric, what's up, dude?
3: What's up, Romy? Thanks for the Vine, man.
0: As Brian Wilson once said, let's get weird.
3: I was just trying to say, Rachel was the queen of smack. She was a real force to be reckoned with. She was so hardcore. Hell, Drizzle would cower in fear when she'd call. But that was the golden age of Lady Clones, dude. That's when being a Lady Clone meant something. Hell, you would even have dudes calling in trying to pretend to be Lady Clones like Rosemary.
4: Ronnie, you rock.
3: Seriously, back then Lady Clones had spice. On one end of the spectrum, you had Rachel doing Rachel things. On the other hand, you had Foxy and cute Lisa and Indy. Lisa telling us clones not to wear socks during wrestling was priceless. But you know what? I think Lisa was missing the fact that, you know, back out there name Stacy and Indy, Man, so it's healing as hell out there, man. Some of them fellers here are probably just trying to cover up that their uh, foot fungus. So that's just what we call pra- practicing safe sex. Speaking of lady clones, Arumi, I want to go back to Left for a minute. What's with this moniker that Left has—the Laguna Beach bully—is that meant to be ironic, dude? Is that like glossing Shawnee Slim? You'll notice he's not the Compton bully or the East LA bully. No, no, he's the Laguna Beach bully. Dude, who are you bullying? I mean, we've seen the Nick Casario case. That dude's not going to be managing much longer. He'll be at McDonald's by next week. I can imagine less usual bullying in Laguna consists of harassing the cottonheads walking their poodles in the neighborhood or the blue hairs wearing Tommy Copper playing pickleball in the park. Is Laguna Beach bullying akin to the Huntington Beach version, which Silk enlightened us with, which entails peering out his living room blinds, wearing his COVID mask and calling 911 to inform the cops about citizens playing beach volleyball and Frisbee? It's a good thing... Good thing Forbes took the call. Hey, you want us to come out and shoot him? After that didn't work, Silk thought, Nah, oh, brah, you know what? I'm going to do something about this. I'm going to run for city council and totally change things in
4: this town. I can make a difference.
3: Silk's campaign was so bad, he finished behind Paul's dog, for God's sakes. And I don't think he even ran. He was a write-in, I believe. Silk, maybe next time before you run for, for office, you workshop the idea with some residents of your community and not just with your sixth-grade students.
4: Hey, kid, who thinks I should run for city council?
3: Yeah! Just remember, Silk, you will always have that 7-Eleven bit. No one can ever take that from you. Romy, I got one sports take before, before I bounce. I was happy to see the Nuggets get through and win the title over the heat. However, one of the big news stories that got traction was the fact that the Nuggets mascot named Rocky is paid 625 grand a year, dude. Granted, he's basically a Cirque du Soleil gymnast in a lion suit, but Damn! you know what Bernie, the mascot of the Heat salary is? It's $60,000 a year, one-tenth of Rockies. Bernie's out there getting his ass kicked, knocked out by Connor, trying to make a buck and entertain some folks. Homeboy can't get paid six figures? And I'm no fan of the Heat, but Bernie, man, I think you need to come back to the suits and renegotiate, seeing as you worked later through the season and got slept doing it. Forget Bernie, dude. Connor made you weakened at Bernie's. It's a good thing you're a mascot because homie's out there doing the chicken dance, wobbling, stumbling, needing two security guys to come drag your ass off the floor. Meanwhile, Rocky's out there dropping from the ceiling of the arena from a rope with a motorcycle between his legs. He's doing tricks on his bike, backflips, dunks. He's dancing with the crowd. Kids love him. All while Bernie's making a tenth of the money, getting his head bounced off the hardwood like a basketball. Bernie was like the clown in Billy Madison who's performing for the kids and falls off the stilts, cracks his head open on the concrete while the kids laugh and think it's funny and the clown's just bleeding out. Poor Bernie. Next day he goes to see the suits and they're like, hey, Bernie, man, you killed it last night, dude. That was incredible. What was that hilarious chicken dance you were doing? You think you start mixing that into your act? Bernie's like, screw you guys, man. I got to go to my other job. Matt in LA is waiting for me. Rum, that's all I got for today. I'll talk to you soon. I'm out.
0: How is it that you never miss a single minute of this show, but you hate every second of the show? That always cracked me up and still does. And I know you're waiting for blood and carnage. Heads to roll. Skulls get cracked. And you're so pissed that John is in and now you're looking at me like Rome hey, and you better not let Matt in LA in you better not let Matt in LA in hey JTP I do respect you I do appreciate you I like you even if you hate everything about the show I like you but you're not going to make the decision for me I make the decision which brings me to Matt in LA Over the years, there's been a small percentage of callers that I would say 98% of you hate and I love. And how does that work? Rome, how can everybody else be wrong and you're right? Do you know something, Rome, that the rest of the jungle doesn't know? Yes and no. Here's what I do know. There's a small percentage that a large percentage hates that I love because, man, they're so loyal. Like, I'm not that guy. If I know somebody would do anything for the show, has my back, loves the show, comes at it with fire, and you just hate them because you hate them, I love the loyalty. John in C-Town was like that back in the day. Matt in L.A. is another one of those guys. I would love to do the actual analytics and find out who besides me says, man, that's my dude. (laughs) Is there anybody? I might be the only one. So I know what you want me to do with this guy. I know you want me to break this guy off. I know you want me to light this guy on fire. But again, like I always say, if I always did what you wanted me to do, I'd be you. So I got to make the hard choice or I have to do what's in my heart. Matt, brother, here's what's in my heart. Of course, you know, I love you, dude. Of course you know I have your back, dude. But, dude, this is going to hurt me more than it hurts you. And I do not want to waste your time on Friday. So I've got to do this right now, and I'm going to do it quickly, and it's going to be clean. You're smackied brother. My brother, you're out. Here's why you're out. Not because... I listen to the mob, not because the JTP dictate what goes on. You're out because I can't shake what happened the last time you were in the smack-off. Remember, you made this call. I'm afraid this could happen again.
4: I couldn't figure out why a and Hitman's Hickman's likeness was transferred on Laureano's shoulder blade. However, upon further review,
3: I did that over from the top.
0: Uh, I can't have no. that happen again, dude. Not like on that school. day. I don't,
3: like that call.
0: I don't know if you dropped the phone into the toilet, or you made the phone call from under a sink. And I'm not making fun of your gig, dude. I just feel like you made that call on the job, and there was something that happened at the job that led to that. I can't have that happen again, my guy. I'm, I'm sorry, dude, you're out. You're welcome. You're still my dude. You're still welcome to call any day of the year, except that day. All right, so another dude. Matt's out. Another dude who goes way back with the show and is holding a golden ticket is my guy Casey in L.A. Casey absolutely smoked the Lakers back in October with a classic straight sports call. Straight throwback. Totally right. Loved it. Loved it. Here's my problem, and I love this guy. He, I mean, legitimately he is, if there is such a thing, he is the guardian of the jungle. He is OG. My man is fierce. Fierce. So in that moment when he makes that call, shows up, one, I know he's still around, two, just murders the call. And I'm caught up in the moment back in October. And I'm like, dude, you know what? You're an OG. You're one of us. You're in, dude. You got to be a part of it. But you know what? He hasn't really called much since. Hasn't done anything to solidify it. Does not in any way take away from my respect and love for Casey in L.A. And respect for how far he goes back. But I just haven't seen enough. You know what I mean? Like, dude, you can skip the line. You'll always be that guy to me. But the smack-off is the smack-off. I need to see a little more. My man, I hate to do it, but I got to take that ticket back.
4: All
0: right, so these are two dudes I love. Matt in L.A., and Casey in L.A. I'm an L.A. native. But you gotta do more. And there's gotta be trust. And I've gotta know that the phone is not gonna go out in the middle of the call. Which, I'm not a homer. You sound like a homer. Despite what you say. Hey, old man, I'm not. Despite what you say. I'm not a Matt in L.A. homer. I'm not a Casey in L.A. homer. I'm not an L.A. homer. Much love and respect to both those guys. I took their tickets. Which brings us to two of the biggest wild cards in the field. The first one being the only lady clone in the entire field, Amber in Portland. She has been holding since April when she came through with a brutal takedown on her arch nemesis, Methleen.
1: I wanted to take an opportunity to respond to Methleen's terrific call yesterday during the beef segment. I mean, all she really wanted to do was talk about Johannes anyway, so... I honestly didn't even know what he looked like, so like any normal person who can afford Wi-Fi and a cell phone, unlike Kathleen, I Googled her man crush. And let me tell you, first of all, woof, <laughs> gross. He looks like Marilyn Manson's dirty uncle. Actually, what he really looks like is some dude who parked his Winnebago in her trailer park and cooked meth in it Walter White style and gives meth a teenth any time for her services rendered. It really proves what I've said before to be true. She just is a mess faced
0: kook. I'm out. Amber. So she's been holding that ticket for months and has been a daily contributor. And I have not once even remotely considered ripping that ticket back. And I am not considering ripping that ticket back. Amber, you are I in. I've got a golden
1: ticket. i got a golden ticket. ticket. i got a golden ticket.
0: All right, then. Amber is in. The other wild card in the field is is the chaos agent himself. V in the fee, AKA VD in the fee. He's called VD because he's the jungle herp. And he's a controversial clone. Some of you love him. Most of you find him incredibly annoying. I love the cat's energy. And to his credit, he put in a ton of work. He put in a ton of effort to get this ticket. Probably too much effort.
4: Hey, John in Philly, there's no way you're from Philly, bro. Guys from Philly are known to be tough. And yesterday this guy said, V, you can say what you want about me, but, but, but just wait until these big guys on the smack off who I'm hiding in quivering behind, Yeah, you know, these big guys, they're going to come and get you. Absolutely pathetic, my guy. A grown man asking for other grown men to do his work for him. Hey, remember, you are the one who called me out first. Now, you know that saying, you made your bed. Now watch your wife fantasize about me in it. And then there's that, that bitch, Chrissy in Southeast Wisco, whose jungle's career flamed out worse than Jay Leno's face. Chrissy, you're the loser no one wants around, but somehow you keep coming around. He's that guy in your group of friends when everyone's like, hey, let's take a group picture. Chrissy is awkwardly asked to hold the camera. But enough of these two nobodies. Because on the 30th, I got bigger things to worry about like way bigger things. And by that, I mean fat Jeff in Richmond. I'm sick of these smack off prediction videos, picking him to win. We all know that you tricked your family, bro, into sending those in because they're actual family testimonials to get him on the show the biggest loser and why his fat ass should win. And what's even worse is his family thought, yeah, Jeff is perfect for the biggest loser. He's the biggest in our family and he's a loser. You see, Romeo? Everyone's counting me out. Well, I'm just counting down the days. I'm literally feeding off the hate, but I'm still hungry. And I don't, I don't know if you noticed yesterday or not, Rome, but Chrissy didn't end his call with his stupid-ass cash raise or claim he's a dynasty. That means I own his bitch ass. So Chrissy, on Smack Off Day, you can watch me win. Or, or, hell no, I'm
0: not a bitch. Just tell me how my ass tastes. See you on the 30th. I mean, (laughs) this guy, Uh, I know some of you, and by some of you, I mean every last one of you, want nothing more than for that chopper to come down and whack V in the fees ticket right out of his frenetic, chaotic, ADD, overexcited hands. Some of you right now are at home on the edge of your seat screaming, Get to the chopper! Get to the chopper! VD, my dude the clap crabs syphilis gonorrhea my brother i got bad news i got bad news bad news for you haters v is in i've got a golden ticket you're safe dude I've got a you're golden golden in I've got- you're safely in the field I like that energy. I want that energy in the main event. I'm not saying it's going to go great. In fact, I've got no idea how it's going to go. But I want to find out. And strangely and weirdly, the guy makes me laugh. V.D. Catch you Friday, bro. You're in. I've got a t- we are joined by the manager of the D-backs, Tori Lovello. Tori, it's good to have you back. How are you?
5: Romy, you're the best. That's such a great intro. I'm doing great, man.
0: How are you doing? Tori? I'm so great, and you are the best, too. And I couldn't wait to do the intro. You earned all of that. In fact, Tori, when you and I spoke on Radio Row at Super Bowl in Arizona, I could tell you were pretty fired up about your team. You knew they'd be good. Did you know they'd be this good?
5: Um, You know, I do remember sitting down with you, and I always appreciate my time with you. Um, You gave me a chance to talk about our our ball club and, and what I believed in. And um, you know, at the end of the day, that's what that's how I gotta, what I gotta believe and how I gotta kind of talk about the team. You know, I'm gonna drive the bus forward every single day, win, lose or draw. I believe in these guys, and we felt like we'd finally compiled the right amount of talent, um, that, and they were ready to take the next necessary steps. And it was gonna depend on how we gel, and obviously team chemistry is a big thing. Um, the group that plays together. Uh, and fights together every single day, we'll come out on the right side. And I felt like we had a lot of really good intangibles that we could actually touch, feel, and, and feel good about every single day when we went out there. Uh, and as this trip played out this year, it's certainly uh, everything that I had hoped for and then some. But we got a long way to go. It's a long race, and we're, we're doing just fine And uh, I'll take our start. got to keep going.
0: I get that. Torrey Lavello joining us. It is, you know, it's a great start, but you are halfway through the season, so it's more than a small sample point. We are halfway through. Let me ask you about some of your guys. Corbin Carroll has been sensational. I mean, we knew this coming in, but there's so much to like about him. What does he do for your club on a daily basis, and what do you admire admire most about him?
5: Yeah, there's so many great things that that he brings to the table every single day. Um, Of course, I... Admire the athleticism, um, the talent that plays out every day, the bat speed, the ability to make plays, uh, the ability to steal bases. But the thing that stands out is his daily work habits. Um, He is so focused on the granular. He is so focused on what he can do today to get better. He never takes a day off. There's zero satisfaction. He had a huge three-run home run yesterday that got us our first three points, um, got us playing some downhill baseball. But he'll walk in today like he was 0 for 0. And, uh, he's gonna just start, start to slay clean. So, you know, focusing on the, the daily chore to get better is the thing that I admire the most. Um, and his greatest quality is not his athleticism. It's his ability to be a great teammate. Uh, and it's his ability to go out there and perform. And he has an unbelievable belief and getting through the day and being the best that he could possibly be.
0: I mean, Tori, you know this as a manager, as a former athlete, like consistency is everything. And if you can get yourself to consistently do the things that maybe you don't want to do, that is such a win across the board. So if this is a guy that never, ever wastes anything, right, not in a bat, not a session in the batting cage, not a day, is that contagious and infectious? And is that an attitude that others will pick up on?
5: 100%. um, It's just uncanny for a young player. 22 years old to be um, kind of the the trendsetter, the pace setter. But we have so many young players at timed with him in the minor leagues that I think it became contagious a long time ago. So when they Mm. step into this arena, um, they already know one another, and that's that's the pure joy that I have every single day. And I've been saying it, you know, it's it's like a birthday party every day inside of our clubhouse. These guys just go out and amaze me uh, with their work habits, their togetherness. And it's not the first time they did it. it didn't happen here in Arizona. It probably happened somewhere in Hillsboro or Visalia or Amarillo or Reno. Um, and a credit to those guys. It's a lot of fun every single day.
0: Toy, that's so interesting to me. Another one of the young guys is Alec Thomas, who was another highly-touted prospect. He recently came back up after a brief stint back in AAA. How has he looked to you since returning, and what kind of upside does he have?
5: Real good. A uh, ton of upside. There, there is no ceiling for Alec. He's loaded with talent. And you know he's right around that draft class, and the guy that timed timed well with um, with Corbin. And you know you you get to the big leagues, uh, you have success. Um, first of all, you have success with the minor leagues, and, and he was targeted as a guy that we were going to build around as one of our one of our starting outfielders. Got to the big leagues, did well, and then the league made an adjustment to him. Uh, he went down to the minor leagues to start this year, in the, in the middle of this year, um, and he slowly made some adjustments. He he got his body under control when he was transitioning to the baseball when he's at the plate. Defensively, he's got very little to work on, but instinctually just a very, very smart baseball player. His dad you know, uh, was, was a strength coach for the uh, Chicago White Sox, so he's practically born in a bat bag. And we know that he's capable of going out there and learning and growing every single day. And Once again, I put him in the bucket with, with Corbin. You, know, they, you give him instructions, they're so coachable, and that's the best part about these kids. They listen to the instruction. When they don't know what's going on, they ask why. We've trained them to do that. Coach should give them an answer, and they're kind of brought up inside of our culture. To, to build and grow every single day and trust the coaching that they're getting every single day.
0: D-backs manager at Tori Lavello joining us, which brings me to the next point. It is awesome to have that great young talent and young talent that is coachable and understands the culture. It's also great to have veteran leadership, right? Which helps you with that. I had Christian Walker on earlier this month. He's been with the team since you were hired in 2017. How critical is his leadership to the team, both between the lines and in the clubhouse?
5: Yeah, you know, this is something that's just evolved, and he's he's taken on this, this responsibility, and he's just a quiet leader. He is so under the radar with everything that he does. You know, he's probably first or second on the team in home runs, on pace to hit 30-plus again, driving close to 100 runs again. Um, finally got some recognition is to um, how he was playing defense by winning a gold glove last year. And, you know, he's outpacing Freddie Freeman and, and Paul Goldschmidt, MVP. So, um that's the part of him that, that people don't understand, is how hard he works, what he does every single day, kind of in the vein of Corbin Carroll, to get better and improve, never sit still, and now has kind of evolved into this, this leadership role that has evolved, mostly by example, but there's one or two situations that have come up where I'm ready to say something, he basically puts his hand up and gives me the stop sign and says, I got it, Tori. I need to take care of this. I want to address, address this with one of my teammates. Because not only is going to help them, but it's going to help me. And uh, we have a very strong culture where these guys will help one another through that leadership model. I
0: was going to say, Tori, if a guy, if a player, even a veteran player that you respect, interrupts you, do you feel like that undermines you, or do you actually love that?
5: Yeah, no, that, there's a very fine line there, right? If he's going to jump up in the room and say, hey, Lavello, you're crazy, shut up, I got it. Of course, <laughs> I'm going to be like, oh, you know, give me, give me my 25 seconds. I got something I need to say here. But, um, no, when, when he silently does it, you know, and he looks at me as I'm walking through the dugout and I make eye contact with him and he says, I got it. That to me is way more powerful. When it's coming from player to player, it is, it is amplified as far as being able to relate to and get that message. They hear from me so much, you know, and I try to, I, I I try to disguise it. You know, sometimes I'll come in hard and aggressive. Other times I'll come in with a pat on the ass. But, you know, really at the end of the day, I've got to find a way to reach them. And if I do it too much or it's every single day, which it can be at times when you're, when you're working with young players, it can be, they, they, they might, it might lose a little bit of power. So I got to be creative. And when I can have a player do it, it's way more powerful.
0: Well, I think that's smart. Tori Lavello joining us. Before you go, Tori, you told me back in February that you were going to lean on Zach Gowan on the mound and your ace has certainly paid you back. He's delivered. Where would you put him in the Cy Young conversation?
5: Yeah, I mean he's he's right there. You know, he won his tenth game last year, uh, uh, last night. You know, and when you look back at last year's full body of work, landed him in the top five of the Cy Young balloting. Every, and everybody said he didn't win enough games, and that was the reason, main, one of the main reasons why he didn't he didn't trend a little higher. But for me, he he and Alcantara were the two best pitchers uh, in the National League, and, and both deserve consideration. He just didn't get the nod. Well, this year he is trending in a very positive direction with all those things that he was um, he was short sighted on last year. And, you know, at the end of the day, it is about winning baseball games, about keeping your team in baseball games. And It's about going out there and, and duplicating pitches and controlling the game. And he's done a fantastic job. So, you know, if we're at the midway point of the season, he has got to, he's earned very, very strong consideration. But once again, he, he comes in like he just lost 10 to nothing yesterday. He'll, he'll walk in today saying, hey, I got to get this done. I got to get this, this, and this done. And he'll start, his start should be even better in four more
0: days. Tori, one last thing. You'll never make it about yourself, but I want to make it about you for one minute. The turnaround has been incredible over the last two years. I mean, but, but it doesn't happen, right, without a patient front office that had your back and a belief in you. Your GM, Mike Hazen, stood behind you even as the team lost over 100 games two seasons ago. What did that mean to you then? And then how personally gratifying was it to get that contract extension earlier this month?
5: Yeah, you know, first of all, I was—I've never been made to feel like I've, I'm ever on my own island. And when you lose 110 games, you feel like, you know, you're isolated and, and things are very vacant. But I, I sat in my chair every single day and had a tremendous front office around me that was just trying to figure a way out of it. They never pointed the finger at me. We—we uh, we all took accountability when we talked openly. It was our my fault, um, and they said the same thing when they talked openly. It was their fault. So. I, I just can't – obviously, I'm grateful to be in this position. Um, great ownership. Talk about trust, right? The owner has a manager that loses 110 games, and he ends up bringing you back. I, I couldn't be thankful enough for having them believe in me the way that they have. And it's my job to give it back to them every single day. And that starts with my best effort. Uh, a belief that we're heading in the right direction and ultimately we're going to climb
0: the top of that mountain and stay there for a lot of years. Man, it's both. They knew. I mean, it's both. Like They had the right guy but they knew they had the right guy and they just had to be patient and not be impulsive and now it's paying off in a huge, huge way. The Diamondbacks are 48-32. and 32. They are in first place in the NL West. Their manager Torrey Lavello. Torrey, appreciate you so much, especially since we had that conversation and look where you are. I understand there's a lot of baseball to be played but it is great to see you and the team doing so well and it's great to have you back on Torrey. Thanks so much. Likewise, Romy. I always appreciate you. Good night,